Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 230. You want to give your clients something that they can't get anywhere else but from you. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thank you so much for joining me here today. I know, I say this each episode, but I truly appreciate the fact that you're here and that you're learning from the shows. I know this because of your emails and the reviews. And if you haven't left a review already, I'd really love for you to do so. That helps spread the word and together we can help each other grow our businesses. Along those lines, I'm delighted to tell you about my upcoming masterclass. It's totally free and specifically for those of you who are in the beginning stages of your business development or if you're just now considering starting a business from your handmade products. When you attend this masterclass, you'll learn the single biggest thing that people are missing when they start a business, four critical elements to include when you're pricing your product, how to attract customers, and the secret to making them loyal customers who will buy from you again and again. The exciting news is the category of handmade small business is steadily growing right as the big box stores are seeing declines. We get into this too, all in the masterclass. To join us, go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash masterclass and select a day and time that works for you. Again, that's giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash masterclass. Switching gears, Today, I have a topic coming your way that answers a question many of you established business owners have. How do you get in front of corporate decision makers? I'm not talking about getting your products into wholesale. That's a different episode. We're talking here about selling into regional businesses that could purchase your product for client and employee gifts. And perfect timing, yes. The holidays are right around the corner, and it's go time to make those connections and sales. Let's talk about how to do this right now. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Deborah Wasilko of Baskets Galore. Deborah is an entrepreneur, engineer, show host, and author noted for her work in corporate sales and award-winning gift design. Her personal credo is to create a life that she doesn't want to take a vacation from. Oh my gosh, doesn't that sound great? (laughs) (laughs) Deborah launched Baskets Galore in 2003 and has earned the Top Corporate Gift Company of the Year Award three years in a row from Cleveland Business Connects magazine. Her clients include Fortune 500 companies such as Sherwin-Williams, Moen, Parker Hannafin, the Cleveland Indians, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and National Public Radio. Deborah lives by the ideal that kindness is never forgotten and coaches her team to execute to the highest standards, giving first while helping others succeed. Deborah, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you so much, Sue. I am thrilled to be talking with you today. Absolutely thrilled. 
Me too. And we have actually been trying to get a podcast going together for probably six months or so. (laughs) Finally, yay. (laughs) Yes, you are everywhere. And I just love listening to you and learning about all the makers and just how you're giving so much exposure to so many people. What fun. Well, it is super fun. And thank you for that. And I am just so happy that you found the time to be with us today. Of course. But we're starting off in a creative way, and you already know about this, because we have so many listeners who are creators and makers. I like to have you describe yourself by way of a motivational candle. So if you were to create a candle that spoke all about you, Deborah, what would be the color and what would be the quote on your candle? So my candle is ombre. So think of it as different like intensities of color. And I'm a big color person, so it was really hard for me to pick one, just one. I did pick the color orange this year. Orange is energy to me, and I believe that energy is really important because we attract the same kind of energy to us and abundance to us based on our vibration. And orange just vibrates high for me. My quote is, something great is going to happen. Something great's about to happen. Something great is going to happen. And I just love that quote because there's gifts that are given to us all the time through people, through opportunities, through calls, through angels, through just people in your life, clients calling you, people walking in the door, people you meet at the grocery store. And there's so much opportunity and things out there. And I just believe what you focus on expands. So I focus on great things happening every day. I really like that when you talk about your color being orange and energy, I mean, I think the energy that we give out in terms of optimism and all of that is also what comes back to us. And that's Mm -hmm. the same feel that you're layering into your quote, optimism that something great is going to happen. Yeah, I think so. And I think what we look for, we find what we focus on expands. And I can tell if I'm having a crappy day, and I'm vibrating low, Things aren't going so well. I mean, I'm attracting junk. It's kind of like if something bad happened, like someone cuts you off or something on the way to work. And if you focus on that, then it pretty much sets you up to have a bad day the whole way through versus if you're just like, (laughs) that was a bummer, (laughs) whatever happened, but then you let it go. So true. You just stay focused on more positive. Well, that's why you and I are friends, because we're both that way. (laughs) We're both more positive. It's not worth it, honestly. No. Right. We've got a choice, right? We definitely do. We do have a choice every day of how we're going to make our day fabulous. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about how you got to Baskets Galore, because even though I've known you for what, maybe even 10 years or so, I'm not Mm -hmm. exactly sure how long, but I don't know that I know the story of how you've advanced into your super successful business. Well, thank you. I think we met at the National Gift Basket Convention, right? Years ago. I don't even remember when. Years ago, probably at the first one. I don't know if you were in San Jose eight years ago. I can't even believe it's been eight years. I've been there. We must have met when I did have my gift basket business. Oh, wow. Cool. Super cool. Yeah. So that was way long ago. Whenever. Okay. So anyway, yeah. So we met forever long ago. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the short part of it is I was an industry I worked for a medical device company, and I'm a quality process engineer. That does not sound anything creative, Deborah. (laughs) It doesn't. But you know what? People say that to me. But really, engineering is problem solving. 
And so when people say, I'm going to engineer this or I'm going to re-engineer this, problem solving is creative. And people always said, what are you doing? But I think I test right in the middle, Sue. I can go left or right. I can go technical or I can go creative. I think I'm a little stronger with my creativity. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy. I go back and forth and problem solving is creative. That's what I did for 20 years working in industry and having a team of people. It was the company that I worked with was Bayer Diagnostics, you know, the aspirin company. Oh, yeah. They had a division that was medical devices. And so I worked with hundreds of engineers. This was during the time where there weren't many women in the industry Mm -hmm. in the 80s. And I finally went through all the way up to 1999 when I had my last child. But anyway, I did that. And then they wanted to relocate us. That's when I just had kids. My mother was going to need assistance. She was elderly and my husband loved his job. And they wanted to relocate me to Terrytown, New York to lead 100 engineers in configuration management. And I just didn't want to leave. So that was a pivotal point then. That was a pivotal point. There was a lot of moving parts in my life. And that's when I said, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to go back? Are you going to consult in this area? Are you going to stay in the area? Are you going to re-engineer? And at that time, I thought, you know what, I, you know, something life changing also happened during that time where I was carrying twins and my son, I have Hannah and Michael, Michael passed away. Oh my. And so it was at that time that I just kind of said, what else? It was horrible. Thank goodness I'm a Christian and I have the Lord. Well, as perspective, yes. changing your job is nothing compared to losing a son. Right. And so it was just very pivotal in a number of ways. And that's when I said, you know, hey, life is too short. That's when I still wanted to kind of raise my kids while I was launching a new business. So I did research and I came up with corporate gifting and gift baskets because it was really, we were in the middle of it at the time. And I thought I love design and I love business and I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to raise my kids too. And so I just threw it all in a bag and shook it up. And this is what came out is my business. I love you saying that. You didn't use a basket, you used a bag. I did. Yes. We <laughs> okay. just, it was a beautiful, like a travel bag that was just a gorgeous nubby bag that you would use in a hotel. It was just so cool. So you chose gift baskets, corporate baskets, which that was my same story, right? Coming out of corporate, making a change, wanting to be with the kids. So very interesting how we kind of walked the same path there. So for people who are either in a situation like that where they are being forced out, deciding by their own will they're looking at leaving, and just want to change, however it is. What were the first few things that you started doing to actually form your business? So the first few things were, I went to the library with my kids, and I was researching everything I could read about gift basket businesses, and a home business, and starting a business. I just went to the local library, I remember it so well, putting the kids by the trains, that one train that has a face on it, and I can't even remember now. Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think he's still cool. I know Arthur's still out there. I love Arthur. So I put the kids there, and I would go to research. And actually, the woman that would help me with the research, she became like the whole director of all of our libraries, all in Medina County. And so she watched me from when I brought my kids in that were like two and four. Hannah was two and five or whatever. And she 
watched me just go through this whole metamorphosis of researching. I read things and then I started playing with design simultaneously. I think, Sue, the difference is I didn't work in the industry like for someone else. Like many people that are florists or they worked for a gift company, they decide then they have like the domain expertise. And then they're like, I'm going to break out on my own and do it myself. I had nothing. I mean, it was just a hunch that said, hmm, I really enjoy giving gifts and I love design and I like putting together baskets, but I want to make it really more artistic. Mm-hmm. I want to make it a little different. I want to make it not like cutesy. I like whimsy, but not like cutesy, but I want it to be something more artistic. I wanted a different flair on the baskets. So was your research how to start a business or was your research what is a gift basket or a corporate gift business all about? What's already out there? How can I be different? Like trying to narrow in on your design or what was the goal of all the research that you were doing? Yeah, I think it was to figure out what the needs were in corporate. And I was doing this simultaneously. So part of it was going to be the business. And then creative part was going to be where I benchmarked and looked at other businesses. And I actually would go onto the internet and study and compare and get ideas and to see how this could be a viable business that made money, not just a hobby, but something that I'm like, darn it. (laughs) I love the process engineering part. I like it. It made a lot of money, but I want to do something now that I enjoy and that I can make a living from. I think I switched the paradigm switch from liking what I did to something that I love that just was something I was going to be passionate about. Okay, so you went into it right away with a very professional mindset in that I'm going to start this business, I'm going to focus on corporate, and it's going to make me money. So we have that. How long, I want to make sure that we leave enough time so that we can really talk about what you know in terms of corporate and getting into corporate, because I think that's going to be really, really relevant to our listeners. Yep. But I do want to finish up this development part too. How long were you in the research mode? You know, I'm going to say very short. I started maybe six months because I was doing things with my kids. I was taking them to preschool. I was starting to take care of an elderly mom. So I only had part-time time to work on the business. I'm going to say six months. I started letting people know, hey, I'm starting this. I'm going in. I'm looking into this. And I knew I was going to have to start networking. So I'm going to say six months. Okay, so you were researching, and I'm sure you got more and more clarity as time went on. And so then did you put a set date on the calendar that this is when I'm opening for business? Or how did you make the transition from research to actually having a business? I want to be totally transparent about this. I did it kind of in a relaxed way, because I felt like this is going to happen. I kind of gave myself, I'm going to say a year to start selling and being able to sell baskets and that I would be producing and making some kind of money. Mm -hmm. The stream would start coming in. I think if I had to do it again, I would have been more deliberate about setting a date because I know the power of setting goals and how they're realized and how God and the universe and you make it happen when you set goals. Like I write them now on my board in front of me. So I see them every day. I felt at that time like, you know what? I know I want to start a business, but I know I'm doing a lot at the same time. I'm learning about a small business. I'm learning about the needs of gift baskets and I'm raising kids. And I knew that 
I just gave myself like a year, you're going to make this happen and start making money. Mm -hmm. I actually like that you are able to say that you started that way, because I think a lot of people who are listening are also juggling a lot of things. And what you're showing is there isn't just one right way to do it. And yes, everybody talks about set the dates, action plans, make the goals. And I also believe in that. But that doesn't mean if you don't start that way that you're not going to be successful. Look at you now, right? So, I mean, everybody does it their own way, I guess I would yeah. say. And just because you're not doing it exactly like somebody else does doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. It's your way of doing things. Okay, so you started Baskets Galore. If you were to look back and say there's one thing that I would recommend to other people who are starting that I would have done differently, what would that be? I think the one thing that I did is I stayed in networking groups that weren't serving me. Oh, that's interesting. Talk more about that. Like it wasn't a BNI and those have different personalities, but I was in a couple local women's groups that were small businesses and I was trying to show them how gifts were relevant to what they, to help them. But I really didn't hone down, like they really didn't need me as much as corporations did. So was it the camaraderie (laughs) and kind of feeling like you were working without really seeing the results? Yeah. Okay. But I think that's a really important point because you, and I am such an advocate of networking and I'm not sure if we're going to be talking about that a little bit more or not. I talk about it all the time on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But action has to produce results. And going to networking meetings, either you're not approaching the networking meetings properly, or to your point, it's not the right networking meeting. It's really easy for us to misguide ourselves by thinking we're doing something that's constructive for the business because we're taking an action, but it might not be the right action that's going to produce business. Right. I think I did it for socialization. So there was a need there for a while, right? I mean, you could say that. Yeah, there was a need there. You could say that that was the right thing to do for some time, but you think you held on to that too long. I held on to it too long, and I was with people that didn't have the ambition and didn't want to produce as much as I did, too. Like, it was almost enabling. I don't know how to say it. Like, it was... Well, it served your need for a time. I think you're saying you would have cut it off a little bit sooner. But I think that's also a good warning, and you tell me if you agree with me. I know there are a lot of people, you know, it's fun to say you have your own business or you're an entrepreneur or, you know, all of that. But I do see a lot of people who play having their own business and aren't as serious and dedicated and committed as other people are. Right. And that's okay. They can be that way. You know, everyone can do their own thing, right? Right. But if our interest and our goal is to make money from our business, possibly replace a nine to five, you have to be more serious than that. You can't be just playing. And Sue, the other thing I wanted to mention, which was a really big deal, is I was good at like setting up the business, the operations, but I was afraid of sales because I'm an engineer. And I was told somewhere in my life or I had this barrier that you're good at the money, you're good at handling the money and setting up operations and your product and your service. But my messaging wasn't clear. When I did network, I wasn't clear about how I can help others with 
gifting. When I first started, I was focused on this you can give to your clients for their birthdays or, but I wasn't focused on specifics of how gifting is strategically high touch and that how it could help you with lead conversion and retention and that connectivity and referral thank yous. I wasn't focused on my messaging and clear about how gifting really is, there's a need and it's a big deal. An unexpected surprise trumps everything in business, the good kind. And I really wasn't clear very early on about conveying the message of how gifting can be used strategically in business. Very interesting. First off, that shocks me because knowing how good you are today, it's really interesting to hear you saying that that was something that you really hadn't had totally dialed in right from the beginning. I sucked. I sucked. (laughs) You're so funny. I sucked and I hired someone to help me with sales. And that was a disaster. But anyway... Okay, well, let's not go there yet because I want to make and underline this point that you just talked about for all of our listeners too. And this is a question for you guys to ask yourself. Is your messaging aligned with what your business offers your customer? Because I think what Deborah's saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm right, is you had a very clear vision that you were going after corporate accounts right from the beginning, but your messaging wasn't speaking the same thing. It wasn't strong and it wasn't clear and it wasn't short and it wasn't sweet. Okay, then. All right. So give us some of your goodness because you are, all these awards you get, top corporate gift company of the year, three years in a row. Give us some advice, some thoughts, some direction on all of that. How do you get there? Well, I learned there was this big company, very powerful in Cleveland called CBC, Cleveland Business Connects. And they would run contests every year for events. It would be, you can be nominated in venues, in entertainment, in gift design, in awards. And you would have to be nominated and then people would have to vote for you every day. And it was a big deal here. It was the best of the best in Cleveland would go and try to be nominated and get this gorgeous award. And they don't do it anymore. They stopped doing it two years ago. And so I found out about it by accident when I just had moved my business out of the home into a brick and mortar. And I'm like, we're going to go for this. I wasn't expecting anything. I just said, let's just go for it. And I followed the rules and encouraged people to vote. You know, like how they have those in your Mm -hmm. community. But this one was like a more of a bougie one. Like I saw the local ones from the newspaper, blah, blah, blah. But this one like was a bougie one. It was like a big one. We weren't expecting to win at all. And we didn't even know what we were doing. We just, I made my husband go. I took a couple of my staff members. We went to this dinner. No one knew who was going to win. And then they presented you with these gorgeous like square pieces of artwork. (laughs) That was the award. Oh my gosh. Okay, so what is it that you've done for your business that positions you to be the gift company of the year? I think it was really servicing the client and how we made our client's life easier, how we aligned with their goals, 
how we started doing these touch gifts instead of the gift basket. And I started off in gift baskets, but then as I talked with clients and learned what their needs were, Sue, I learned that the gift basket's not going to be for everyone. They don't want to start at $50 or whatever. They need something smaller to get the job done, do what's required in business. And so we had to like change and turn on a dime and think, okay, wait a minute here. We got to do like little touch, I call them touch gifts. People call them Popeye's mini gifts, whatever. But I call them touch gifts because touch is a word that people use in sales, high touch, low mm-hmm. touch. So I just picked touch gifts and my salespeople got it right away what we were talking about. And these were little things that like cost two or $3, but they looked like little gifts. And so people were responding to this. That's one of the things that got us the award. We had to write like a whole paper on this award. Oh, that's right. We also had to submit how we helped clients and what the outcomes were and what we did to change their lives in the year. So how your business had an impact on your clients. Yeah, I forgot about that. We had to write like a whole paper and it was, oh, and this was judged too. So this was just not a popularity contest award by any means. Okay, so let's get to this because I want to stay with things that are nuggets that our listeners will be able to take and use themselves. So I will want to circle back at some point and ask you what your technique is for getting an audience with corporate clients to start with. But because we've already been talking about this, you could have been so looking in at what the goals and the missions are of your gift basket business and trying to continually resell gift baskets and re-explain why gift baskets were the solution and just try to change the client. But instead, you were open enough and really listened to the fact that, okay, gift baskets as we're currently doing them aren't necessarily right for in whatever client you were in front of. And then did you see that continuing to happen with multiple clients, which is then you're like, okay, there's something else I should be doing here. Yes, that's exactly it. The more we talked to HR people, like different personas, different industries, realtors, admins is another big audience of ours. Healthcare, as we were talking to salespeople, event people, hotel people, decision makers, we were getting feedback. When we would mention gift basket, we would scare them away and they would say, we don't need that. What was it you were seeing that lead you to believe you were scaring them away? We weren't being invited in to talk about ideas. Okay and how we can make their lives easier and connect and build those relationships. Okay, so they weren't seeing a solution in what you had to offer. Correct. Okay, so then now you're going to go back and rethink all of this, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So take us there. What happens then? So then it was like we can do little gift baskets, but that's going to be like $25. And that's labor. And that's labor, and it costs just as much, like you said, yeah, it's labor, it's labor intensive, or we can come up with these little touches that either we make or client or people already sell like Sweet Jubilee, for example, in Pennsylvania, they make these little like double pretzels that have a bow on them and they're done and you buy them and you just sell them. You just double the price and you sell them and they're flying out of here like crazy, or you can add their printed ribbon. So it was really asking questions. Okay, if the gift basket is not the answer, what is the answer? 
And how can we retool this? Again, problem solving. I think that's like a big deal. Okay, so this is such a great example. So you identify the problem, you go back and you think, and then you come up with ideas. And then did you run them by some of your corporate clients? Yeah, we tested it. We said, what would this better meet your needs? And people just started to respond to them. Ah, so you saw it right away. We saw it right away. Like when we would present and we would give a tasteful break, we would, instead of, we would give people a tasteful break when we were able to go in and present to corporations when it was like a larger group, we wouldn't just give them a snack box or something. We would actually lay out food. Okay. You've got to go back and tell people really quickly what a tasteful break is. A tasteful break sounds right up my alley. We'll hear all about it right after an information break from our sponsor. This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of the Ribbon Print Company. Create custom ribbons right in your store or craft studio in seconds. Visit theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. So a tasteful break is how I presented to our first corporate client, which was Parker Hannafin. And they're big in Cleveland and they're like in California and other places. They're a worldwide company, but they make parts and big engineering company. And the admins brought us in. And I remember everybody showing up and I was like, wow, like this was my first one. And so I was scared. I didn't know what I was doing. I brought too much. Everybody's showing up to the meeting. Yeah, everyone was there. All the admins, HR came in. They were like, oh, wow. Oh, I like the baby. We, so we did still the baby stuff and all their needs, like because they have to do wedding, get well, condolence, gifts, onboarding. But we fed them. We fed them on a pretty display. We laid out, just like you're going to have people over for cocktails or appetizers. We laid that out. We talked about our snacks so that they can see the quality of what's going in them. And then we also showed those little touch gifts. And they responded to this, oh, wouldn't that be nice for visitor gifts? Or when somebody comes in for an interview or for takeaways at an employee picnic or the salespeople were, oh, wouldn't this be nice to thank them for the appointment or just stay top of mind during the year? Oh, my gosh. Isn't it great when your client is thinking of other solutions for your product? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that you've won then. Right. So there we're seeing how it can be used in other situations. And you can tell when people are engaging with you. The other good thing about having a group of people together is they play off of each other. So you don't have to talk about how fabulous it is they're doing it. Right. So you just turn the floor over to them. Right. And so what does it look like today? Is this the same area of interest today and what you mostly provide? So we do the touch gifts quite a bit, mini gifting, and we actually set up programs for it. So like realtors could send out 10 or 12 or 20 or 50 boxes, little touch gifts and em- glamour envelopes or pretty boxes, these colored boxes a month or a quarter. And we set up a whole program for it. So it's turnkey for busy people to stay top of mind with their influencers and with their referral base. So we Mm -hmm. just automated it and made it bigger. And we still do the tasteful breaks and we wrote a book about it so that others can learn how to have a captive audience and how to not just make it special so that Mm -hmm. they want to bring you in for a tasteful break. Right. Okay. If we have people who are listening who are in the consumable industry, because I guess that's what you need for a tasteful break, where could they go to get this book? 
So they can contact me at wow at basketsgaloregifts.com and we will send them a form or they can go to Facebook, Baskets Galore, and just DM me, direct message me and ask me and we'll send them a form and that's how they can just ask for it and we send them a form to complete and we send them the whole kit. It's a whole kit. Oh, it's a whole kit. Okay, so Gift Biz listeners, if you are interested, I will put all the information on the show notes page. So just access the show notes page and you'll have all the information if you're interested in knowing more about the Tasteful Break and getting the kit. So let's leave it with that for now. Okay, so what would you say percentage-wise are Tasteful Break or Touchpoint products versus your overall mix of products? So the Touch products are still a small, I mean, I'm going to say 25% of our business. So would you say they're an entrance point into corporate accounts? Would that be fair? It's great. Yeah. Or I would say it's an entrance point for to starting to work with certain personas. Yeah. Like salespeople respond to that and healthcare, anybody in sales, they like that, like touch, pop by, And then it is one category of gifting that you can offer. And I'm recommending you offer it because you can say, let us help you stretch your budget. Let us help you touch people throughout the year, but it doesn't have to be lunch. You can spin that on a way to stay connected and do something special without breaking the bank. Okay. All right. Let's move on. I know that a lot of people, just the idea of corporate is scary. People get the fact that there's money to be had in corporate. Corporate accounts are great because it's higher volume. Mm -hmm. They're usually budgets. And if you're really thinking, you can contract that business for Mm -hmm. lower prices. You can negotiate things. But none of it gets started because it's scary. Like, how do you get into a corporate account? Right. Can you share with us a little bit of how you're able to do that? Sure. So it all starts by you start where you're at. Who do I know that works in a corporation or through networking at your groups and just meeting people and networking at corporate events? Who can you just start talking to? But you want it to be people that are willing to champion you and host you to start working with them. So you start with your friends and your people that love you, know you, trust you, and they will either bring you into their company or they would be a decision maker to start that process. But they don't necessarily need to be the one who makes the decision. They might just be working at the company, but they have internal access to the place where you need to be, the person you need to be talking to. Exactly. Okay, got it. And just like you do a warm referral or an introduction, You kind of get your system in place and make sure that you're setting yourself up to be credible. It just takes one. The reason I got into Parker Hannafin was because of a haircut. Oh, tell that story. That's interesting. My sister is a hairdresser and she cuts one of the officer's hair. And she was, oh, my sister has this gift company. And then once, like, she had something displayed at her company or was giving a big gift, and he just saw the quality of the work and said, we got to get her in to talk to the admins. And then he said, have her call Sue, blah, 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 and set up. And so he was my champion because of my sister, their connection. And he didn't really know me. He just knew my sister and was going to help me out. 
and he saw the quality of work because people aren't going to take that risk necessarily unless they know something about you too. So that's why it's good to be visible or have something there to show something. Yeah. And then he says, call my assistant and she's going to set up, have her come in and present or meet with Sue. And that's when I says, well, how about if we, do you think the other admins, it's all asking questions without being pushy. What if we bring in snacks for everybody? We can do it during their break. We can do it. It's easy. It's convenient. It's turnkey for them. I'll send you an invitation. You can send it out to your people, get them to sign up. And then what are their interests so I can meet their needs when I bring in and present. And then you handle the rest. You make it super easy for them. So that's all they're doing is sending out an invite or scheduling it on people's calendar. They have internal things. And it was because of that haircut that I got into Parker Hannafin, and that was my first presentation. You know, that is crazy because I have to share with you now also how I got into my first big corporate account when I had my gift basket business. Yes. I was in line at Starbucks, and one of the city officials who I happened to be friends with, our children went to preschool together, was sitting with somebody at one of the local banks here. They've just recently sold, but they were MB Financial. And she says to me, oh, my gosh, Sue, you need to meet so-and-so. And he was one of the branch heads. He wasn't really in corporate. And he says, oh, I'll get you the name of the person. Like, same type of thing. One thing led to another in an, I'm going to say, quote, unquote, unprofessional environment. Like, you were getting your hair done. I was standing in line for coffee. Yes. And the thing that's so cool about that, well, first off, it's a good point to make that you never disconnect from your company and think that because you're not in your office or your studio that you shouldn't be talking about your company. Now, not all the time, right? Right. But just those connections. And then the really cool thing, and I don't know if this is how this happened to you, but not that I could talk about the fact that that was a company I was using, but it kind of, once you're into a couple of corporate accounts, you learn the ropes, right? And then you can say things like one of our other corporate accounts, you don't share the strategy, right? Right. But you start putting yourself at a different level, I guess it is. But for me, it was for a cup of coffee for you. It was in the salon. Yeah. So you never know where your business is going to come from. Exactly. And then, yes, as you do get one, then you're establishing credibility and you can name drop. And you're doing it strategically not to be a jerk, like not to be, oh, these are my clients. But I mean, I don't like doing some of this stuff because it's not me to name drop and stuff. But I had to put MBA after my name when I would send out emails. Otherwise, they would think I was Aunt Martha making baskets in the basement. Right. Because I was a home business for the longest time. I had established instant credibility. So you do that by your persona, how you dress, how you look, how your cards look. All that adds up to your credibility. It all matters. It all matters. And I hate and I took off the MBA after my name now. But for the longest time, I kept that there, my accreditations, because I know it it just sounds like I felt like such a snob, but if you don't have confidence in yourself, how are other people going to have confidence in you? They will eat you. They will pick that up so fast. Absolutely. I agree with you totally. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. Use what you have. I mean, name drop. Yeah, you know, we do gift. I don't like to do that, but you got like 10 seconds to establish credibility. (laughs) Well, it does add credibility. And actually, I think you have to be careful of what the industries are. I used to work in grocery in my corporate world. 
And man, those grocers, one against another, pricing of produce and stuff. I mean, the security and the privacy was so intense. But other types of businesses are a little bit different. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I would ask them, is it okay if I feature some of the gifts that we used to do? Not the ones Mm -hmm. we're currently doing, but that we used to do. And they'd always say yes, because it's extra visibility for them. Right. You're right. And I was just going to make another point here since we're talking corporate. Then I'm going to ask you one more question, and then we're going to have to start winding it down. But without saying too much, in the banking industry, I ended up having three or four different banks. Because once you start getting into mm-hmm. an industry, you start learning and understanding them. Mm-hmm. But I would never share what one was doing with another, right? I was very clear about that. They didn't even know I had other banks necessarily. But the interesting thing here is each one of them used their gifting in a different way, in a pretty significant different way. So I just bring that up for you guys who are listening. If you're thinking that one industry, okay, you know how they're going to do it for a specific industry because you already have been working in that. That doesn't mean that those are the goals, the needs, or the pain points of another company that's in the same industry. Oh my gosh, that is so true. Yeah. So when you're going in and you're finding out about them to the point of discovery or doing the tasteful breaks and understanding how this could work, don't go in with assumptions. Yep. Because it could be totally different. Yeah. You got like open-minded, nimble. Here's a real quick example. We do gifts for various companies in manufacturing, lots of them. And then my husband out of all things, did a cold call to R.W. Beckett in Cleveland, Ohio. And they're really wildly successful, but they like to do their Christian company. And when John just was talking to this gentleman in HR on the phone, we don't do cold calls. I mean, you don't need to do that. But my husband was bored one day. He's just, my husband's quirky. So he just was like, I'm just going to drop something off to this company. And they gave it to HR. And then my husband follows up with HR. And the gentleman was like, yeah, come on in. And John was like, John knew how to speak their language. What are you doing for onboarding? Do you need any get well? Or And then we went in there and we found out they were a Christian company. And he wanted to put like a keepsake or have a prayer gift for their prayer group. And so in their sympathy and get well and visitor gifts, we put something that's faith-based. Now, I don't have another company that does that. We have a lot of those things because we have a lot of spiritual things here. But that's an example of how you got to kind of be open-minded and think, what is their culture? And maybe make recommendations based on their culture or really listen to them because you want to give your clients something that they can't get anywhere else but from you. Bingo. So they were using edible fruit, but then edible fruit's not going to put in a devotional or a wood shelf sitter that's with scripture, but we do. And a lot of people wouldn't even be open enough and listening to identify that this was a question, whether they could do or whether this was a need, whether they could do it or not. Yeah. And so you might start off with working with HR, but then if they love you and you establish trust, they're going to need holiday gifts and they're going to need visitor gifts because they have this new showroom. And then they can introduce you to salespeople that have key clients that are going to need promotion gifts or things when they get a promotion. Or So you got to look at the bigger picture, like Sue said. You got to really be flexible. Yep. Oh my gosh. Deborah, 
This has been amazing. You can clearly see why you are rocking in the corporate world. I really appreciate the whole idea of corporate gifts is fabulous. Your story in terms of how you started and where you are now is so inspiring to people who are just now in the beginning to see where you can go. And I really like the fact that you didn't start out. You came from corporate, like engineering's a little bit scary to me because <laughs> it sounds so detailed, but you approached your basket business in a little bit of, I'm just going to say softer because I can't find a way to say it differently, but softer yeah. because you were also balancing your children, difficult life issue, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And look where you are now, super successful, being recognized, having Fortune 500 companies, all of that. So I think it's very motivating to everybody where you can go. And again, the point is, I think, doing it in your own way. Yes. I also thank you for the advice on how to get into corporate because that seems very doable for some of us who have been hesitant to do it in the past. So I love that. And so what I like to do now is in exchange for all the value you've given us, we would like to then give something to you. And it's by way of a virtual gift. So this is a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. It's your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. So please accept this gift right here in our presence and open your box. Thank you. Tell us what's inside. Okay, so I open my box and an orange candle comes out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it could be in there. I like no, that. <laughs> no. So I'm digging in my box. So in my box, the gift that you gave me is my second book. And I want to write something more sales-based to help people. And then also in my box is a list of speaking engagements because I love to talk about how to connect and sell. <laughs> I just love it. Well, and we all need it. That topic <laughs> never gets stale. That's for sure. <laughs> so that's what's in my box because this year we're finishing a new website and I did put the outline for the book on the side because I had too many things on my plate and I wasn't doing anything well. And so the second book, and I just love speaking and training, helping people. I'm just like them. That's why I like this is because I'm just like everyone that's in this field. Well, I think your gift is a win-win because you're just sharing with us how much you like it and we all need it. So let's do it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sue. Let's make sure that this happens for sure. <laughs> this was like too much fun. So I could talk to you all day. Honestly, this was big fun here. Big fun. I know. Likewise. Well, thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate it. It is my pleasure. And Sue, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I loved every minute of it. All right. You just heard how to get in front of corporate decision makers. But I know what happens. It all sounds good, but then you never act on it. Tasks get in the way, and soon it's completely off the radar. And this holiday opportunity might just pass you by. Think of it this way. These marketing and HR managers need to find and purchase customer and employee gifts. It very well might be written into their job description. So you're doing them a favor by presenting your product as an option for them without them having to seek you out. Make it easy for them. Land just one or two of these accounts and you'll be oh so glad you did. Okay? Promise? I'm believing in you. <laughs>
Next week, I have a dear friend joining us to talk on a topic we've never covered here before. I'm going to leave you in suspense until next week on that because as we end the show, this is the perfect time to jump over and register for the masterclass I was talking about in the beginning. That link again is giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash masterclass. Couldn't be simpler. Go do it now before you forget. And I'll see you next week. Bye for now. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today. 